Okay, don't get comfortable. Okay, good. Just just telling you. Shouldn't get comfortable. Um I I Leanne's gonna come up and she's got something prepared. Oh right. <laughs> and who knows? She's like the wind. Um but here's here's what I want you to know. I feel like we are we are this side heavy. And here's what I want you to know is like there there's nothing about Leanne that is held back. And and she's assigned to the soul. <laughs> and so um it's funny because I've had people say, Is this the lady that was screaming at the conference? Yes. She's, she is, she is the one who, and the thing that I love about Leanne is that you don't have to wonder what she's about because she lives from the inside out. And, um, and I, I love that, that God has knit our hearts together and that, that you're here. I'm so glad that both of you are here. We got John and I got to spend time with him last night and it was just so good to, to be able to spend the evening with you guys. So please stay attentive because we need, this house needs what it is that she has carried into this place for us. I promise you, she has gone to the throne room and she has asked, God, what do you have for them? So just because you get uncomfortable, don't dismiss it, okay? She she is somebody who will force the issue of going all in. You have to, you have to go all in. You will feel exposed, stick with it. Just allow yourself to feel the feels and stay with her. Okay? I need some head nodding. All right, Leanne. Angie, thank you for explaining me. <laughs> I don't know if that reputation, though, is really a great thing to walk into. I've been called loud. I've been called all kinds of things. And actually, I think today might end up a little different than that. So don't be scared. Um, anyway, I just wanted to start off with, can I, I have that first picture? Please. Okay, so that's my husband Kent over there. And we live in Elizabeth, Colorado. And we we live on a farm. We have animals. We have lots of different kinds of animals, lots of different things going on. And um, years ago, years and years ago, the Lord put it on our hearts to have a place called Restoration Ranch. And basically what that would be is a place where people could come and just be. They didn't have to pretend. They didn't have to... Um, you know, they could just fit into our lifestyle and hang out and be around the animals and have campfires and, you know, clean up paddocks and haul hay and all those different kinds of things and just do life with us. And we found out that out of that, there was what that started happening. A lot of relationship was being built. And especially when, you know, our kids were your guys' age, we were kind of the house that all the teenagers came to and all the kids in their early 20s. And, and you know, it, we were just a place where people would come and just hang out. And we had two rules. One was no drinking 
And the other one was, do not use the Lord's name in vain. I'm not going to, you know, get nitpicky over anything else. And you wouldn't believe the mornings that I woke up that I'd have to step over kids' bodies, you know, because they decided to spend the night or they'd fall asleep outside. And it sounds like we were like this party place. And in a sense we were, but there was no drugs, no alcohol. And um, everybody just wanted to be there. And it didn't, it doesn't stop there though. It doesn't stop with just the, 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 the young people. It, it started transferring over into, you know, adults. And our original desire was actually to have a place where especially leaders, pastors could come and just rest. Can I have the next picture, please? Thank you for this, by the way. Yep, this is the right one. So this is just a little piece of, of our animals, and we used to do an educational mobile petting zoo. And so we would go to different places and, you know, like fairs or schools or churches, and we would set up this petting zoo, and people would come, and that was an opportunity, again, to talk about the animals, because, you know, city people, they don't get to see, you know, that and feel and, and have that hands-on with with farm animals. And so it would it was another place of connection and another place where we could, you know, just kind of use the animals again to kind of break down a barrier and start just chatting and, and getting delving deep into a person's soul or in their heart. Can I have the next picture? So this is this is half of our family. You can see that Kent and I are in the middle. And then on Kent's side is um, our third child, Brett. And then Brittany's on my side, and she's our fourth child. And those are their families. And they actually um, live, part of them live with us, and the other two are the other, uh, my son's family just lives only a couple minutes away. So it's kind of like a family affair, what we do. Next picture, please. And this is the three oldest ones when they were little. That was before Brittany, the fourth one, came along. Aren't they cute? And time flies, doesn't it? So, um, you know, at that age, you have so many hopes and dreams for them, don't you? You the, the, you and, and you know you're pretty young yourself, and you've got the world by the tail, and you know you might be working hard to try to put food on the table, <laughs> but you know you you just have so much that you want for these children to grow up to, and to and to be. Okay, next picture. This is Eric. This is our second. And that is his child. Isn't he? Eric, this was taken a couple years after Eric got out of prison. Eric started getting in trouble and kind of going down a, a road that was probably not the best. <laughs> and um, when he was, you know, about, about 13 or 14 years old. And he had lived with us, been raised by us, and he kind of just had a, a thing about him where he just kind of gravitated towards trouble. And so he ended up spending five years 
in a maximum security uh, area in the prison. And actually, we never really even got the whole story about why he was even there. Um, he never, he never was actually able, even after he got out, to to share. But the thing that I want to talk mostly about Eric is that he was the most soft-hearted kid, and um, there was a call on his life, and he just chose to kind of get acceptance from an identity, I guess, from other things, other people. He was really intrigued with, you know, gang things and got into drugs and just, you know, really hung out with the, the wrong crowd and went down that path. Actually, when this was taken, though, after he had gotten out of prison, he as far as we knew, were, was doing well. He lived out of state. We live in Colorado. He lived in Idaho at the time. And, um, and in 2018, Kent and I were actually having dinner. And the phone rang, and it was our oldest daughter. And she was in tears. And she was screaming, and she was driving alone, but she was screaming He's gone. He's gone. And I'm like, wait a minute. Calm down. What, what are you saying? Eric's gone. What do you mean Eric's gone? Eric's dead. Eric's gone. I said, Kim, are you alone? And she said, yes. And I was like, pull over on the side of the road. She lived, also lived in Idaho too. And so we, my, my mama's heart just went to the fact that Wait a minute. I, she's driving. She's upset. I, I'm, I'm not clear. I, I don't understand. I just, I just kind of went into this shock phase. And she, um, kind of got herself collected and told us that it was true that Eric was gone. And, um, I talked to her until she got home. And I got off the phone and even at this time, it was just, it was just such a shock and, and processing and, and getting Kim home. And then, you know, suddenly the realization of, oh my gosh, what happened? And we didn't have any details. This was in 2018, right before Thanksgiving. And, um, so we spent Thanksgiving that, the day before Thanksgiving, at Eric's celebration service. And needless to say, that first year was kind of a blur. And there's a lot of things that, you know, you just kind of go through the motions and you just, you, you just deal. And um, um, after that happened, we we just kind of went in this state of discovering what a new normal is. Now, I need to be honest. At the time, we were pretty estranged from him. He had, do you know what that means, estranged? It means, it means we didn't have a lot of communication with him. We had lost communication a lot throughout the time he 
was younger and then when he was in prison and talked a little bit when he was um, out of jail, but, but not a lot. And so that was a really hard thing to grab a hold of too, is that you always think that you've got time for restoration. You know, there, that, that, you know, someday, someday this will take place. And, um, and so we found that when we went to the funeral that, um, you know, that was really sobering to know that there was, there was some pieces, some, some time that we didn't get to have with him to, to kind of bridge that, that gap, if you will. But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the restoration piece. I want to focus on the part where you can be at the end of yourself and God steps in. Eric decided that he was going to take his own life. And he had broken up with his girlfriend at the time, the mother of that baby. And um, he had gone out and partied really well that, that night. And I don't, we don't know if it was intentional. We don't know if it was accidental. All we know is that that night he, he decided to, um, oh, he, he shot himself in the face. And he went to the bathroom and he looked at himself in the mirror and he then kind of slid down the wall. And we don't really know, you know, how long the whole process took. He wasn't found until the next afternoon. So I really struggled with that part. I really struggled with, you know, that he was alone. I struggled with the time that it took, you know, from the time he, he um, you know, shot himself to the time that he actually passed on. And um, the nightmares were terrible right afterwards because of, I really do believe, the spiritual aspect of, of suicide. And suicide brings with it this really nasty, ugly, gross stuff. And that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm condemning. It's just that for the, those that are, are alive, they have to kind of rummage through the, the wreckage and put pieces together. But anyway, so a couple of weeks had passed, and Eric loved to bow hunt. And I was in a church service, and um, it was during worship, and I had my eyes closed. And it was like the Lord opened up a window of heaven where I could see what him and Eric were doing. And they were strategizing. Jesus and Eric were strategizing with each other. And they were bow hunting together. And it was super cool because he wasn't all tatted up. Not that I have anything against tattoos. I have them. But in heaven, he wasn't all tatted up. He didn't have this bad boy, cocky thing. He was just, him and Jesus were just bow hunting together. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. You know, 
And the Lord also started to show me that during that time where he went into the bathroom and looked at himself into the mirror, in the mirror, that he actually had to come face to face with his adversary. And his adversary could masquerade as his own thoughts and his own ideas and his own wants and his own desires. But we know really who the adversary is. And so, so anyway, then when he, he, he slipped down the wall, the Lord showed me that he just slipped into his arms. And so he was not alone. He was, he was escorted out of this world, transitioning into the next. And then a year passed, and um, I was at a conference in Dallas. And I, I didn't even really pay much attention to the date. I'm, I'm not really a date person. Um, but I knew that it was about a year, and I was standing in this worship service again. And um, some guy was talking who had had a similar past to Eric, and but I honestly wasn't really thinking about him. He was just telling his testimony, his story, and and I closed my eyes, and I saw Eric off in the distance, and I thought to myself, why are you so far away? Like, for the last year, I think because of the, the, the trauma and because of working through the process, you know, it felt like he was right next to me. And I don't mean to get weird about that, but just, just kind of like it, it was close. It was, it was close to home. It was, I don't mean that he was actually tangibly here, but it just felt like, you know, it was, it was just fresh. And so he, but he was far away in this picture. And I was like, why are you so far away? And he went like this. And I knew in my spirit what that meant. And part of me wanted to hang on and say, no, you know, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't go. Uh, you, you can't. But the other part was like, all right, Lord, I, I get what you're doing. It's time for me to let go. It's time for me to, to go to that next level of, of, I didn't even realize it, but that next level of, of letting go of the, the grief in that, in that aspect and moving forward into, into our future. Because God is a God of future. He's not the God of the past. And he showed me that Eric was okay. That Eric was actually home. That Eric was where he belonged. Was it a tragic story? Was it a tragic end to maybe a, a life that because of that was taken too soon? I have to believe that God knows. I have to believe that our, the Bible says that, that he knows the number of our days and that, and that it is appointed a time for us to be born and a time to die. And if God had wanted him to live, he would have. So for whatever reason, Eric's time on this earth was done. But our time is not done. And 
in all of that, I just want to implore that there is something on the inside of you. Eric was anointed and he was appointed. There was the gift of God on his life. He chose not to walk into that. Can I have that the next picture, please? Can you all read what that says? Okay, on the top of it, it says, Dear Lord. And it's like four, four drops, four teardrops. That was Eric's last entry on Facebook. That was, that was, I believe, about a week before he actually, um, passed. But that was his last entry. And when I saw that, it gave me a great sense of peace knowing that he was looking that direction, that he was looking to God, but also it brought a great sadness because obviously he was not in a good place. But those two words, dear Lord, I feel like that was a cry that maybe there wasn't anything else but tears on the page, that was the cry of his heart. And God faithfully stepped in to a situation that we have no control over, that once that trigger was pulled, even Eric didn't have any control over. And yet, he faithfully stepped in and and brings hope and restoration for the rest of us. Eric is fully restored. I've seen him in heaven. He's fine. He's he's doing what he he's meant to do. He's he's moved on. He's transitioned over. He's gone through the veil. He's got come face to face with Jesus. We're the ones that are left. And we're the ones that that have to choose to move forward. Our whole life is a, is a choice. It's a choice about getting in and doing what God has asked us to do. And I know, especially at your guys' age, you probably feel pretty invincible. You know, that's, you know, you're so young and, and you got the world by the tail and there's a, a great future and that all of that's true. But, but, even, it doesn't matter what age we come to, we have to get into agreement with our future. We cannot stay in the yesterday. And that's why, in Jesus' name, Angie, I love that you started out with the, the potato, the stinky potato. Because we could choose, we could choose to take that situation and, you know, and we're in our 60s. We've gone through a lot of life, and we've had a lot of challenges. But we could we could choose to take those stinky potatoes and just sit on the couch with them and, and let them consume us and become smelly. I don't want to be smelly. I want to I be vibrant for God. And that means I want to perform the call of God that's on my life, whatever that involves. And so... Angie, I'm sorry that you have to explain from the past of that prayer time that you, you know, about people. Is that the woman that 
that is loud and, you know, anyway. But, but you know, I just, I just want to declare a shift in this place, a shift in the foundation of the work that you're doing here, a shift where all the debris of the past is, is cleared away, all the residue of the, the disappointments, the what-ifs, the, the lingering stench of the things that haven't worked, that that's all in the past and that, and that there's a shift. I'm seeing it so clearly in the, in the heavenlies that there's a shift, a transference over into the, in the spirit realm that God is doing. And it's not a matter of will he do it? He is doing it. But the matter of it is the stinky couch potato or am I going to get over into the shifting that he is causing? Eric doesn't have that choice anymore here in the natural to, to grab a hold of the gift of life that God has given the rest of us for today anyway. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to be, but we are promised today. And in that shift, when we step over into that shift, we step, we try to step out of those things that are coming against us as adults and as young people that would cause us to, to detour from that. How, how many of you have ever had thoughts where I just want to die? I just, I just think I'll kill myself. I just want to exit this world because, you know, when you're young, it, you break up with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and your life is over. And, and, you know, but those are real things. And what I'm trying to say is that we don't understand that there's an adversary, that there's the devil out there seeking those who he may devour, that he's come to steal and to steal and to kill and destroy your future. He's come to take away your hopes and your dreams. He's come to paralyze you in the midst of, of a challenge or in the midst of something that we feel has hit us so hard. And yet God is on the other side cheering us on. And so I just stand against and I bind any kind of suicidal thoughts in Jesus' name. I bind any form of apathy in Jesus' name. And I come against any seducing spirits. I come against anything that would try to seduce anybody here away from the call of God on their life. That it is so important for um, you to, I, I don't, you know, it's not about being religious. It's not about acting a certain way. You know, it's, it's about, you know, loving God with your whole heart and then embracing the age that you're at. And so I rip off any false 
identity that's tried to be put on you as young people that has tried to say that you need to be this way or you need to be that way or you need to do this. And we just declare God's gift for you. We declare God's life for you. We declare, we declare that he does what in you, what he's made you to do. And so I just kind of want to go on to the, the fact about those kinds of things and the, the heart comes to a place sometimes where the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. That we can go through the same motions, we can be doing the same things, and they can be good, godly things, but we get a little hope deferred because we get in this place of, you know, does it really matter? Um, you know, life is too challenging. And we we don't want to stand in hope deferred because hope deferred leads us down a slippery slope. And so I just really would like to, I don't even know how much time we have. I just, I just feel like there's just such an element in this area. And you guys tell me if I'm right or wrong, okay? You guys are sensitive, you know. I just feel like in this area, there's a spiritual dynamic that just wants to keep you locked in to a certain spot. Like there's no breaking free. There's no breaking out. There's, it's just kind of like doing the same old, same old. And any sense of having any kind of future desire or future hope or future dream is really hard to break out of and to break through. Would that be right? Do you think that's right? And how does that feel? How does that feel as a young adult? How does that feel? What does that make you feel like? Is anybody brave enough to answer? What did you say? Discouraging? And then where do you think that discouragement leads you? Hmm. Do you see that? And this isn't condemning to condemn anybody because we're talking about a bigger picture, right? Do you feel like you see that on your parents? And what does that look like? Why might help a little bit? Does it make them look a little stuck? Like they can't quite get to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Is anybody else thinking anything? Kind of on the spot, aren't you? Especially if you're the pastor's daughter. <laughs> 
Yeah. Kind of makes you feel like there's that hope deferred, right? That there's no hope. Is that right? But there, there is hope. And that's where, that's where God is not limited to your circumstance or your parents' circumstance. You know, he's not limited to what you're thinking. We're the ones that are limited to our thinking. And so I'm really feeling that it's time that we all, and I know I'm, I'm focusing on the younger people, but I think after the story that I just shared, you know why. Right? Um, but for all of us, we can't continue to do the same old, same old. If we want change, we can't continue to do that. Same thing. It's not going to bring change. And there's such hope that is resting over your guys' heads. There's such future that is resting over everybody's heads. And it needs to become more to our inward man than just hearing somebody speak like Angie and pull and pull and pull. And maybe at times, you know, it's like, I hear you and I, I agree with you, but I just can't quite get there. Like, I don't get it. And so, Father, I just thank you for your breaker anointing God. I thank you that you are the king of glory and that you're the one that comes in with that breaker anointing when it feels like all hope is lost, when it feels like there's no future, when it feels like we're empty. And so, Lord, we just get into agreement and we declare that you are the breaker. And, Jesus, that you have a gift and a call for every individual here. And, Lord, that you are actually moving heaven and earth to get us into the right place. And we're the ones that keep doing the same thing, expecting change. And so we just stand in agreement that we need to be different. And Lord, that you would drop insight and that you would drop ideas, that you would drop passion into hearts. so that they don't get to the place, that we don't get to the place 
where we're looking at ourself in the mirror and our time is over. That you have given us life and life abundantly. Lord, that there would be such a shaking going on in all of our hearts. And Lord, I just, I just feel like you've got such big things. And that just doesn't even sound right when I, when I say the words because we've heard it all so much. And then we chase after these things that we think are big. And that structure's coming down in Jesus' name. But you have big things for us to do. Because you are a big God and you own a kingdom that is limitless. Can I, can we just spend a little time on you guys? Is that okay? Can we just, you're like, I'm not going to yell, so don't worry. <laughs> because, I know it doesn't seem like it right now. But God is setting your future up. And when you get my age and you look back, you like go, oh, where did the time go? But you guys are looking forward, and that just seems like a long way. And it's not that you know, you need to feel anything or do anything or say anything. This is a spirit-to-spirit -spirit thing where there's just a little adjustment. There's a spiritual chiropractic adjustment that God wants to do to just realign some things, you know. And you guys need to be... Um, put in a position where you you are just hearing God for yourself, for the people that are around you in your age group, that you're pulling them out of the places that we can end up. I don't know, can we just do this? <laughs> yeah. Mm.
You can play if you want. I'm I'm really sensing there's almost like a you, you guys probably don't remember them, but um, there's a machine called a taffy machine. Do you know what you know what taffy is, right? Have you ever seen the machines that make taffy? And they're metal machines, and and they pull the taffy, yeah, and they pull the taffy, and they pull the taffy, and they stretch the taffy, because actually. That certain type of candy, I guess, becomes softer and better, you know, for the time that it's stretched out. But we used to stand as kids in the candy store and watch this taffy machine. I don't know why it was so intriguing. But as I'm looking at you guys, that's what I'm seeing is this taffy machine, this, this stretching. Now, the problem with this stretching is it's a repetitive um, movement, right? And you guys have gotten caught in this repetitive movement. The same old, same old. You know, there, there's like no, no hope outside of this, this repetitive movement, outside of this tapping machine. But God says, yes, there is movement outside that tapping machine, and I want you out of that machine because you are not created to get hung up on this on this machine, this, this momentum that does the same thing over and over and over again. You're created to do something different. You are valued and you are uniquely and wonderfully made. And we can all talk about the stinky couch potato, but that doesn't mean anything unless there's an actual change that goes on on the inside of us, right? Like, like, Passion arise. Hope arise. Let's do something different with our life. What do you want to do? You want to teach. What do you want to teach? Math. You want to teach high school. Where are you in that process? You're in the army. Well, that's that's an awesome role, right? Are you able to do anything in the army that that you can use to work toward that? No, not right now. How long do you plan on being in the army? Three more years. So you've been in there a year now. You've been in for wow. You guys look so young. But when you get out, you want to teach high Can you come here? Can, yeah. You, you have a, are you a leader? Okay. He's a leader in the heart.
You wouldn't know this, but my husband's a brain. He's an engineer, worked on rocket science, rocket scientist, the kids call me. Father, I thank you for hunting. Lord, I thank you for the quality of man that he is. I thank you for his strength and his stamina. But Lord God, mostly I thank you for his heart. God, I thank you that he has the heart of a lion. And that he may not demonstrate a roar on the outside, but there's a roar that comes with from within. A roar against injustice. A roar against those things that 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 when he sees somebody else that is discouraged, this roar comes up and it screams for justice. And so, Lord God, we just stand with him. And we declare his future on him. We declare, Lord God, that you have placed within him an ability to achieve and to move forward and to grab a hold of those dreams that you have given him. And God, that in that, he has surrendered himself to your call. And Lord, you're changing the structure. And you're going to see this, Hunter. You're going to see the structure that God has is in the process of changing. Because let's you can be honest with me. The whole church thing doesn't work for you anymore. Does it? And that's okay. Because he's changing the structure of the church. Because you're not going to be a spectator in the church. You're going to be the movement of the body, that army that's organized of the church body that is the church. You are going to be a demonstration of love and of power. Oh, the power of God. And there's going to be a wisdom that is imparted to you that words are going to fly out of your mouth. And to some degree, you've already experienced this, but words are going to fly out of your mouth and you're going to go, oh, I didn't even know I knew that. Or my gosh, that was good. Or where did that come from? And then right away, you're going to give the glory and the credit to God because you know that in and of yourself, you could not have come up with it. So we just impart that tenacious spirit and we say arise hunter arise your future is bright Jesus thank you for hunter thank you that the voices haven't got the best of hunter but hunter look at me that's only been because of the grace of God on your life. When you have found yourself in those times of despair, 
and you've thought, thought the things that you've thought, the grace of God has come in and has actually altered those moments. You have an amazing future, but you are an amazing young man. And I speak identity over you. The identity that can only come from the Father. The Father. Your earthly father may have failed you, and maybe he was a great guy, but there's an identity that God is putting in you that can only come from him. In Jesus. What did I do? Oh, am I not? Oh. Sorry. Oh. oh, honey. Hmm. What's her name? Autumn? Mm. Oh, I got to check on you. You kind of have a heart sickness, don't you? Not literally, but your heart is not very well. Hmm. Lord. Lord, I just speak restoration over Autumn's heart. Hmm. Hmm. Autumn, I want you to do this with me. Can you close your eyes and can you get a picture of your heart? Can you see your heart? Jesus, let Autumn see your heart. Do you see it? 
What does it look like? You can't say. Okay, let's do this. Invite Jesus into your heart. Can you bring him into your heart? Do you see him in there? Okay, can you meet him there? Can you get into your heart with Jesus? Watch what he does. Is something going on? You don't have to tell me what. Just tell me if something's going on or not. Something is? Okay. Lord, what do you want to say to Autumn about her heart? What do you want to say to Autumn about Autumn? Jesus, I just ask that you bring healing. Does he want to take something from you, Autumn? Does he want you to give him something? Can you give it to him? Because if you give it to him, he's going to give you something so much better. you need to um, maybe forgive yourself or forgive somebody else? You do? Can you just do that? Can you just say, Jesus, I forgive? Or does it feel too hard? It feels too much. let it go.
thank you for Autumn. I thank you for the young woman that she is, God. And Lord, we just declare restoration over her. We thank you that this is your moment, that this is your timing for Autumn to step out of that old and let go and forgive and move on. There's nothing that is too big that should stand in the way or keep you from that full relationship. Lord, give Autumn a glimpse of how you see her. What does she look like to you, God? You know, Jesus is showing me a picture of you, Autumn. And... You're so full of hope and full of happiness. That's what you're walking into. Because you're not meant, you're not meant to stay stuck in a place that's not got good soil. And I just rip off any deception that the enemy would cause Autumn in Jesus' name. Any thoughts that are not godly thoughts, Lord, we push them back to clear a space for the King of Glory to come in and speak. And Lord, that that tender heart would be such a demonstration for you. Adam, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Honey, it's holding you back. It's holding you. Is it a person or is it yourself? Yourself?
You don't have to say it out loud. But in yourself, say, I forgive myself for and fill in the blank. And let it go. He knows it anyway. You're going to step into your future, but this is not letting you. It's causing you torment, isn't it? Could you say it? Did you say it? You did? Okay, just let Jesus embrace you now. Lord, just wrap your arms around her. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't keep an account. And there's nothing you can do that can separate his love for you. The Lord, show her the process. Take her through the process. Complete forgiveness, complete restoration in this area. Enemy, you will not cause her torment anymore. You will not. In Jesus' name. You're gonna tell you're gonna tell this story. You're gonna tell it someday. In the right way. Do you have something you wanna say to her? Just know that you're not disqualified. I've been picture of us going into court. The accusers that were table. Guilty. Jesus is our attorney, our advocate. And God is the judge. The accuser makes his accusation and he has already paid the price. Motion to dismiss. And Scott Gavin says dismiss. He says, Well, it's in the war. And what we say is, I'll do my
content, regret, and mistakes, and all that stuff. Actually, you got it going on. You have a lot here. And ultimately, the unintentional. Try to lock up your heart. Just try to put a, put a, a box around it. There are certain people that haven't maybe understood it fully. 